0: From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant
1: Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader! All right, welcome uh, back to uh, OCFA's Pass Along Podcast. Uh, before we get too deep into our content, um, I'd uh, be remiss if I didn't miss if I didn't mention rather um, just the folks of South Florida uh, today. As most of you are aware of, um, Wednesday, uh, the 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, they had a uh, an active shooter incident at a high school uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area and unfortunately uh, resulted in uh, multiple fatalities and and, uh, over a dozen injured. It's just a a poignant reminder um, that this is part of the cultural landscape that we live in these days. And as professional first responders, um, man, we need to stay vigilant. And uh, really uh, to company officers, to battalion chiefs, all the way to, to the individual member within our agency, we need to ensure that we're fluid on the policy Uh, triage, uh, MCI protocol, ASI drills, wear your PPE, and just be sharp. Um, Work efficiently, work safely, uh, but most importantly, just embrace the understanding that uh, this is part of our culture. And as professionals, we need to have, um, we need to really be as capable as possible and as sharp as we can be for the folks that we serve. So uh, again, I don't mean to belabor the point. It's just heavy on my heart right now. Uh, Our thoughts and prayers go out to the people of South Florida. As a segue, it's uh, just a reminder too uh, the various efforts that the fire authority is undertaking to collaborate with our law enforcement partners to help prepare in response uh, to the uh, to these kind of incidents. We've been working um, through a variety of different uh, venues and different law enforcement agencies throughout the county of the last couple months, really focusing on the ASI element. In fact, on Wednesday night, I was. Uh, I went down to one of our largest uh, churches in South Orange County. I had an all-night uh, ASI drill in collaboration with Orange County Sheriff's Department, and multiple companies ran through. And those are just invaluable reps that we need to really cherish and embrace, uh, so that when the real thing does happen, and sadly that's a reality here in Orange County, it's quite possible, um, and, and we need to just prepare for it. So, but when it does, we'll be ready because of those drills. So I just wanted to encourage you: don't get weary on the training, stay vigilant, and. Uh, Man, our hearts and prayers go out to the folks of South Florida. All right, speaking of uh, all-risk incidents, um, this episode of the Pass Long podcast, we're going to review the kind of the inception and the capabilities and, uh, of our uh, Type 3 All-Hazard Incident Management team, and we'll be speaking with Incident Commander Jeff Adams and Logistics Section Chief Steve Doman. Uh,
0: in our case, uh, the team is a multi-agency, multi-jurisdictional team of responders that are highly trained in the incident command system and come together and are formed and dispatched to uh, handle or tackle the ongoing events that will move past uh, an initial attack response. And it isn't always going to be a fire. It could be um, uh, something in the all risk spectrum, fire, flood, civil unrest, lost hikers, et cetera.
1: All right, so that'll be coming up soon. But in the meantime, let's review some of the news and noteworthy items that are going on in the fire authority. Want to take a minute and give you an update on the Canyon Two Independent Review Panel uh, that we've been investigating, or I'm sorry, we've been looking into the to the kind of the allegations that came secondary to the Canyon Fire in uh, early October, Canyon Two rather, and those surfaced uh, somewhat in the media and then some other formal. Um, Interest in some of the way, the way that the fire authority responded and what have you. And, and that really generated this independent review panel, which we were able to seat two former fire chiefs and a city manager to really look at some of our processes and address those issues one by one. So they've done an amazing job of scouring through all of our policies, procedures, what went on the days before, the days of, and the days after, uh, reference to the Canyon 2 uh, fires. And I'm looking forward to their report. I'm sure there'll be some um, points in there that we can learn. All good agencies should be able to look themselves in the mirror and look back on their actions and say, hey, you know, these are some things we did well, and these are some things we want to do better. And so uh, I am looking forward to the independent review panel uh, findings that should be coming up in about a month. Uh, It'll first go to closed session uh, to the board, board will review it, then it will go to open session, it'll become uh, a public document. So I just want to bring you up to date on the latest with the Canyon 2 independent review panel. Also, uh, speaking of Canyon 2, we also have the uh, after action report as well as the county's review of the Canyon 2 fire. So those are also going on. I just want to take a quick moment to just say thank you to staff, um, those that have uh, subject matter experts have been giving us information, as well as those have been cooperating with just coming in and answering questions from the cur- everything from curiosity to all the different facets of how we responded. Uh, staff's just gone above and beyond, and, and I can't thank you enough. So. All right. Also wanted to uh, just touch base uh, the latest and greatest on our fire chief recruitment. Um, we're down to the final group of candidates uh, that'll be going before the board for interviews coming up here. And uh, once uh, those folks are made known, um, or, I'm sorry, once that contract is inked with them, then that'll all be made known to the fire authority. And we'll, we'll be certain to share that with you as soon as we can. In fact, we've even inked a spot here on the podcast to uh, jump the uh, new fire chief right in. Um, with a segment on the podcast. So look forward to more information there. All right, Recruit Firefighter Academy 46 underway. We've got 48 recruits that are in, uh, just began their 16-week academy back on Monday, uh, last Monday, the 5th of February, and they'll graduate in late May, I believe, May 23rd. So uh, good luck to everyone out there. And uh, as of today or this evening, uh, everybody's still in there. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. And uh, just kudos to the training and cadre staff for the amazing work that they do, the work with the, uh, the newest, brightest stars of our fire authority. All right, part one of our Battalion Chief Assessment Center is complete also. Uh, we did the static and dynamic simulator. That, that we've got seven candidates that are moving forward into the next part. And that'll take place in the next couple weeks. So we also wanted to wish them good luck in those final segments all right uh let's go into captain's promotional uh, we've got 12 captains who are halfway done with their four-week captain's academy and uh, that's included everything from field trips to Northnet, uh community day high school in san anna for multi-company drills and in fact uh, quite timely even an active shooter drill so uh, again they're learning a lot uh, both in and outside of the classroom and they should be ready to go by the end of the month all right uh about a week out from the best and bravest uh this is my favorite hobby horse to hit on uh, from the podcast. Man, I, I think I've mentioned this probably six or seven times, uh, but it really is a neat opportunity to highlight the best and bravest. It's coming up uh, February 23rd at the Pacific Hills Bistro, a new venue for us that I think you're going to find um, uh, pretty nice uh, down there uh, in the Moulton and Ridge Route area in uh, Laguna Hills, uh, Laguna Woods. Uh, Let's see. Uh, make sure to order your tickets, uh, and you can do that even today. So please reach out. Um, we've got a variety of different venues. You can, uh, ways to order those tickets. Um, but by and large, we just want to see a great presence there to celebrate our best and bravest. So please come out and bring your families as well. All right, on to the Orange County Fire Authority Emerald Society. They're hosting a St. Patty's Day party coming up at the Santa Ana Elks Lodge. That's going to be Saturday, the 10th of March at 7 p.m. That party is always a good time and coincides with the 20th anniversary this year of our Pipe and Drums. Um, and, uh, man, I can't say enough about them and going to different events and watching them just take an ordinary event and making it extra special. So order your tickets today there as well. All right. I wanted to uh, mention our newest addition to our fleet. Uh, Station 33 took delivery of New Crash 2 uh, this month, and that's an, it's an Oshkosh uh, Global Striker is the actual uh, name of the unit's 3,000 gallon uh, six x six quad um, multi-agent fire engine uh, that's specifically for the ARF mission and it should go into service around March 1st it weighs 93,000 pounds and can go from zero to 50 in about 35 seconds I don't know if you've ever been there at 33s when the crash alarm rings um, most of us move pretty hastily to the fire engine when the alarm goes off um, but there they actually run it's it's quite a sight to see of course the FAA mandates that they be anywhere on the airfield within 90 seconds and that new machine and those uh, folks that are assigned to 33s do an outstanding job. So be a nice asset to the crews um, and the uh, the JWA facility as well for the folks that are traveling through. So um, we'll have more to uh, I'm sure we'll get some pictures of that in the video newsletter and uh, get some more information for you in the future on that. All right, time to get to our featured segment. Um, This is gonna be Incident Commander Jeff Adams and Logistics Section Chief Steve Doman to get a better understanding really of our Type 3 All-Hazard Incident Management Team, uh, what they do, why they do it, how they were formed, and what plans are in the future. So take a listen.
2: All right, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. My name is Jason Frappier. I'm a firefighter at 39 in Laguna Niguel, and I'm joined here by Division Chief Jeff Adams, Division 5 and Captain Steve Doman. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, incident management teams and some information that uh, we can bring to everybody to understand better what they are and what they consist of and how they're applicable in our agency. So gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, So to start off here, I'd like to ask you guys, uh, what is an incident management team and why are they needed? Uh, I'll take that. This is Jeff Adams. Uh, an incident management team is a group of uh,
0: individuals that have uh, that firstly meet the qualifications to be part of the team and have practice together and have uh, task books that are filled out that allow them participation on this team. In our case, it's about 22 people. Uh, our teams operate at the type three level. Um, we have three different teams, but we function as a single team. Uh, in our case, uh, the team is a multi-agency, multi-jurisdictional team of responders that are highly trained in the incident command system and come together and are formed and dispatched to uh, handle or tackle the ongoing events that will move past uh, an initial attack response. And it isn't always going to be a fire. It could be um, uh, something in the all-risk spectrum, fire, flood, civil unrest, lost hikers, etc.
2: Great. Um, what would the different capabilities in the, from the different type of teams consist of?
3: I'll take that. So we, there's t- traditionally there's three different levels of teams. There's type one, type two, and type three. Uh, type one would be your most qualified, your most robust team that can handle the largest, most complex incidences. Uh, type two team would be scaled down from that then a type three team. Um, traditionally, if, um, under ICS, a type three team generally it's going to be for a multi-jurisdictional uh, multi-day extended attack incident um, they put numbers on it like roughly you know 300 or 400 personnel to be able to support that uh, multiple divisions possibly branches and a type two would be an increased complexity above that and then like i said a type one um, our team is like i said it's a type three team um, we are we go out the door with the roster of 22 personnel um, uh, full command and general staff, and then support positions, and underneath uh, your finance, your logistics, your plans, and your um, operations components. Um, the capabilities—it's just really the the teams are designed to be able to. Uh, the more complex the incident is, the, the larger it is, the more personnel you're supporting. You generally go up in your com- your complexities of those teams, and those capabilities of the teams, and that's why you have them.
2: Okay. So can you tell us about our Type 3 incident management team and why do we have one? Uh,
0: the Orange County Fire Authority has been involved in the um, incident management teams for quite a while now. In 1999, we first operated in the team concept with a solo team that was organic just to uh, Orange County Fire Authority personnel. Um In 2014, we decided to follow the national trend under NIMS uh, and expand um, into a multi-agency, multi-jurisdictional reality in that we can allow or we want to allow other folks from other fire departments and police departments and even some of the public works uh, agencies to be on our teams and help us broaden our uh, uh, perspective and platform for knowledge um, what that does is it gets buy-in from the other agencies and, and helps uh, teach, train, and test uh, some of their personnel and grow them into the uh, beyond the Type Three level and possibly into Type Two and Type One. Uh, we benefit by having these teams because it provides depth for us, and it also uh, it provides our uh, customers or taxpayers with um, uh, a sound. Uh, uh, background of folks who have been involved in this for a long time, so it doesn't look like uh, it's the first time we've ever come out the door for a complex incident.
2: Understand. So, if we ask for a Type Three team, what will we get aside from the personnel?
3: So, with, when the team comes out, it's more than just the personnel, like I stated. So, in the department, we have the three command trailers. We have the fire command one and two trailer, which is a part of our uh, also our rehab trailers as well. Uh, they're housed out of fire station 40 and 37. And then you're gonna also get our communications and logistics trailer that's housed out of fire station 43. Uh, those trailers are uh, outfitted. I mean, one that provides us a office space. So when we respond to an incident, uh, we're gonna have to have a place to set up a camp. Um, we're gonna need office space to work out for us to develop plans, develop the IAP, the communication plans, meeting spaces and locations and such. So those uh, trailers provide us with that as a bare minimum. Um, also, those trailers are outfitted with basically all the supplies needed for you to show. If your team was to get activated and you show up at um, a state park or a county park where the team is set up, we have basically everything in those trailers for you to get ready and start working and performing your job without showing with bringing nothing to the table. So we've kind of taken the time to outfit them. Um, plus, over the past few years, our department has uh, set aside funding for. Um, those for our management teams, where we've went out and we've bought PA systems, we've bought uh, supplies for the incidents. We've um, have a, our IT section has bought computers, printers, plotters, uh, wireless networking system to help support the incidents as well. So it's more than just the people to come out. It's all the equipment and the the structure that helps us um, function as a team and manage those incidents.
2: Great. Well, do you guys ever see us being a uh, Type 2 or a Type 1 incident management team? Uh, That will likely not happen here in Orange County,
0: Um, being that the the state has uh, six Type 1 teams and the U.S. Forest Service has uh, several other Type 1 teams. So um, the value for us is to um, decide to get really good at being the Type 3 entity. And if we need to graduate because of complexity to a Type 2 or Type 1 that we have that lever we can pull and, and bring that uh, bigger team in. Um, one thing that we do benefit by is many of our, our individuals on the Type 3 teams also are participants on Type 2 and Type 1 teams. So the product that we deliver at a Type 3 level is equal to what would be expected as a Type 1 because most of these folks that are on these teams don't know any other way. They just operate at the Type 3 level, and, and Steve is one of those uh, good examples there.
2: Okay. Uh, what incidents have we been sent out to, and how has the reception been?
3: So, um, most recently, the incidents we were on would have been the uh, Canyon 2 fire, uh, would have been the most recent incident. Uh, but besides the Canyon 2 fire, we uh, responded, obviously, to the Canyon 1 fire. We had the uh, Christianitos fire earlier in this year. Um, the Wildemar fire, where we went out to Riverside as a Type Three team and worked for the Cal Fire and the Forest Service on that. And then we've also had some all-risk incidents as well. We responded to back in 2007, I believe it was. We had the lost hiker in uh, back in Holy Gym, where we responded to that as well. Um, overall, the re- the reception has been very positive. Um, most recently, starting this year, we've had I think a total of five deployments uh, this past year alone. Uh, starting with the Canyon One fire, um, that fire, the Type Three team was initially called within probably the first three hours of the incident going down, and then that fire quickly ramped up and escalated to where uh, they called in a Type One uh, state team. But we had a great accolades coming off that fire um, from the Type One state team during the uh, transition, um, as far as what we were able to accomplish and set them, you know, basically tee it up with the uh, the morning briefing and have them take over the incident for the following five days. Um, And then most recently, uh, or actually in the past, uh, with the Holy Gem Fire, um, that was one of the first times we got activated as for a federal uh, incident. Um, The feds were a little hesitant, I think, at first, uh, pulling the plug on our Type 3 team. Um, Really, I think they're concerned a lot with the cost. Um, But that fire, we were able to run the incident at a, uh, a small footprint level. Um, keep the cost uh, small and commensurate for what the um, acres were that burning. And uh, we were able to assist them in um, supporting the incident because you know part of the incident supporting it it's not just the you know doing the briefing and providing the IP, but it's a lot of the background, you know the work behind the scenes, the logistical support, the care and feeding of the folks, the supplies. Um, and that's where we were really able to assist on some of these smaller incidents that don't need the large team. Um, but they do still need, require that logistical support, that planning support, the communications piece, uh, the medical unit. Um, and that's where we're I think we're really of a big value, especially on those smaller incidents. And sometimes um, we don't necessarily have the whole team deployed. There's been several smaller fires in the county, uh, 70 to 100 acres of one. There's a tortoise fire a couple of years ago. They had the San Juan fire, I think last year, earlier the year before, where it doesn't necessarily need the whole team on it, but it still is that extended attack fire. Um, what's going to require that additional logistical support, communications plans at a smaller footprint. And so our team can, is scalable, too, for those incidents.
2: So you'd say our perception of our IMT uh, to go out of county is a positive thing, and you see that ramping up here in the future?
3: Absolutely. I think um, after this past year, uh, with the successes we saw, we have set a lot of great accolades um, from our cooperators and our partners. Um and I believe our department sees definitely the value in it as well. Um and we'll see that ramping up in the possibility. Um this past year in fact there's several times we got calls for potentially deploying to either Puerto Rico um and Florida for some of the hurricane reliefs. Um so we've grown not only on a local level but also nationally we've been um approached as far as possibly deploying.
2: That's exciting. How does uh, someone get involved uh, to become a member of our team? I'll take that. Um, uh, if you have an interest in
0: um, getting onto one of these teams, or at least taking the the uh, uh, prerequisite classes to open up a task book and get some of the subordinate positions before getting onto these teams, uh, I would say a letter of interest to through your chain of command and letting them know what you want and in what position you'd like to operate in. Uh, typically, it's going to be uh, in the log section or the plan section. Our finance section is made up from individuals who work in our finance section at a headquarters. So we don't have any operations folks in, in finance. And on the operations side, operations is, is uh, it's one of those things that's an automatic. And as you move up through the ranks, your qualifications are going to increase uh, based on where you're sitting on whatever particular piece of apparatus you're on. As an example, captains get these levels of classes or training. As you go to BC and beyond, you'll be allowed to take these classes and get sponsorship from the agency. One of the things that's important is, is there's an incident qualification system uh, that we use and follow. We track everybody's sets and reps. So when they go out to an incident, there's there's an evaluation that's done on every one of us, and uh, that all gets jacketed or held in a file. So... Uh, as your training progresses, they can they can watch and see how you're doing and, and tailor or alter that training to either get you more steps, sets and reps or qualify you so you can close that task book out and, and operate at the, uh, the pre-identified uh, log section chief type three. And uh, the expectation is you'd maybe get picked to work on a type 2 or a type 1 team and graduate on from there and hopefully get signed off at the type 1 level.
2: So it's not necessary to have rank or seniority to seek out these uh, classes that are required? Uh,
0: Currently, uh, the answer to that question is, you're correct, it is not necessary. A good example of that, and this is a recent change. In the past, uh, we've been pretty rank heavy and we've kept uh, a lot of these um, positions uh, rank specific because we have benefited by uh, bringing folks from other agencies who uh, were able to gather their qualifications there. They have come over at a lower rank than what they worked at in, a, in the other agency. And we have allowed them to to be part of this team. A good example is Matt White, who is currently a firefighter, and uh, he is one of the named incident commanders for the type three teams.
3: Another thing to talk about with the getting involved is every year our department usually puts out a survey. It comes from our divisional operational support division, currently Ken Cruz um, and Steve Hurdle, as far as our CICCS committee. Uh, they put out a survey monkey asking for people to uh, apply if they're interested in the plans or, oper- or, plans or uh, logistics functions in ICS. And that's one way to start, just by putting your name in there, showing that interest. Uh, they put all those names on a roster, and then as classes come available for under those positions, they balance it with our emergency response directive where the need is, and then they will start identifying folks off that survey and start sending them the classes as well.
2: So how frequent are classes and, and as far as time frame to get involved in opening a task book, and how long a task book can be open for? Can you explain that?
3: Yeah, so classes are offered every year. Um, generally, it's pretty much from January through April's a time when most classes are being taught throughout the state because that's they you know wait till fire season's over with. Um, so those classes are offered on a yearly basis. Some and some years they do a logs heavy classes, and the other years they will do a plans heavy classes. Like this year, I know the majority of the classes being offered from the state level or on the plan side of the shop. Um, but those classes are offered yearly. Uh, they're put out through either local agencies or CAL FIRE. Um, we're on mailing lists. And we're in connection and communication with them. When those classes come available, they notify us and we start identifying those people to go to those classes. Once you go to that class, uh, you'll get a certificate and you'll bring that certificate back to our agency where we will issue a task book. Um, a task book is um, there's timelines on the taskbook depending on what level it is. So minimum it's a three years um, to finish off that task, to complete that taskbook. But that taskbook also doesn't start until you get your first assigned, uh, initial assignment in there. So you can be offered a taskbook and have it for two years before you ever go out on a call as a trainee. Um, and then that will initialize your taskbook. And then you have usually three to five years uh, to complete that taskbook. Um, that can be extended on a case uh, yearly basis, depending on um, the level of the classes. Uh, once your taskbook's complete, it goes back through, uh, it goes through a peer review, and then you become fully qualified, and then be, uh, get your name will become qualified on our emergency response directory, where you can be called at any time to go uh, deploy anywhere throughout the state for fires.
2: Chief, I know you had mentioned there's other agencies involved in RIMT. Can you uh, let us know what other agencies we have on our team? Uh, Yep, be happy to do that. Uh, Currently, we have participants from
0: both uh, Anaheim Fire Department and Police Department, Garden Grove Fire Department, Orange Fire Department, Irvine Police Department, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Costa Mesa Fire Department, Camp Pendleton Fire Department, uh, former uh, employees uh, who are no longer on the team from Santa Ana uh, Police Department, uh, and others. Um, uh, one of the bigger benefits that we have is is we enjoy the support of our executive management staff right now, and they have uh, recognized the need to uh, fortify these teams and finance these teams. So uh, we're in a very um, a beneficial position with the support that isn't always enjoyed for other agencies. So uh, I would like to thank them for the continued support and let them know that is truly and definitely
3: appreciated.
2: Great. If we have uh, individuals interested, uh, is there a point of contact for further information?
3: Yeah, so um, the incident management teams are currently managed under the Division Chief of Operational Support. So uh, that would be the primary point of contact, uh, which is currently uh, Ken Cruz, but as we know, he'll be retiring next uh, month and he'll be followed by uh, Division Chief Brian Norton. Or you could reach out to any of the members on the uh, incident management team, the Type 3 teams, and they can be able to assist you as well.
2: All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks again, and, and this will conclude our podcast interview.
1: Thanks for your time, Jason. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, well, man, I can't thank you enough, Jeff and Steve, um, for sitting down with us to review our really amazing IMT. Uh, when you look at uh, going back to the Holy Fire um, some time ago where the, the Forest Service actually felt so confident in our team that they plugged them in um, in lieu of their own, Uh, to run that fire on the forest was just a just a great way to show deference that our all-hazard IMT uh, just is above and beyond uh, what your standard type 3 local IMT would be Uh, our folks are embedded in a variety of state and federal teams and are the best and brightest and we're super proud of them and I really feel that it's such a great asset for the county that should heaven forbid the big one hit uh, fire, flood, earthquake, whatever, uh, our folks are ready to step in um, and stand on the gap for the citizens to really manage those larger incidents. And so um, pretty proud of our IMT and I think you'll enjoy uh, all the comments and and, uh, items that they covered in this section. So for now, our next episode uh, is coming up and we'll sit down with our information technology section and discuss all the different elements that are going on in the IT world that are affecting you in the fire stations and here at the fire authority whether it's cybersecurity or new radios or network capabilities increased bandwidth and speed there's just so much going on uh, that i think you'll be excited to hear all the different elements that are going to help you in your workplace and uh, also provide enhanced security for the fire authority so until then thanks for listening and let's watch out for each other talk to you soon